So over, overview, first of all, we're going to go through an overview of kind of what Tyler, he started this series of the layman in the church uh, last Sunday. And let's go over, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to be looking through 4 to 11. And one thing that was said last, last Sunday that stuck out to me is ministries in the church should not be a competition. Uh, I think we can never hear that enough because us as humans, we make everything a competition. Um, whether I'm on the 15 and somebody's trying to roar by me, um, that goes against me. Maybe that's just me personally. Um, if they cut in front of me, you know, whatever. We make it a competition. And that should not be in the church. Uh, and I'm talking the local church here because uh, uh, y'all are the ones that I've got to love. Y'all are the ones that I've, we have to deal with each other. Um, so competition, that, just think on that a little bit. It should not be among us. Um, and it's, we have to try to keep it out. Uh, try to, we have to, um, yeah, do an active against against that um let's go to 12 4 and i think i'm just going to read that 4 through 11 oh i'm in luke that would not work first corinthians 12 1 Corinthians 12.4 Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the, same, by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. <clears throat> so, here, here he, he repeats himself. He's saying, he says quite a few times, by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. By one Spirit. Um, and then he gives... Down in verse 11, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Look at 7, it says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. It's for the common good, it's for each other that we are giving these, given these gifts. And I guess I, what I want to point out here is, uh, is each of us has a gift and, and that will be, it'll be fleshed out individually uh tyler he's he's the assistant pastor jeremy the head pastor um there's deacons in the church there's laymen there's everybody has his job that the spirit has given to us um and, and we're going to be looking through down kind of how that's fleshed out in in this lesson um let's turn to hebrews thirteen seven. And then if somebody would grab James 3, 1. We'll get that after Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 7. says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life 
and imitate their faith. Now here we're talking about our leaders. Those who teach us. Um, their life needs to be consistent with uh, the requirements that, that, that the Word has for leaders. And there are requirements. Um, just there is for deacons. There are also requirements for the lay members. For each of us personally. With our... Um, that have accepted God. We, we all have requirements. Good works. Um, jump over to 17. 13, 17. Same chapter. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. <clears throat> so, they give themselves to guide us and to protect us. Um, they have chosen or they have received that calling and, and that's what they are they're giving of themselves. They are a servant. The, the, the Word calls them a servant. Um, it says, you know, they hold us to accountability. They, they spur us on to good works. Um, they are there to, to lead us and guide us along. Um, somebody have James 3.1. Anybody? I got it. Okay, go ahead. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So they're high, they're held to a higher standard, higher accountability, and it says beware of that. You know, um, it, it, it's given as a warning, um, and and as we look at that, I think we need to. As laymen in the church, we need to really appreciate our leaders, um, and 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 tell them that you know, not just we need to pray for them. We need to we need to uh, interact with them, let them know what you think about the service or the sermon that they brought or or whatever it is, and then um, even even uh, you know taking accountability. Uh, when they bring something before you, and vice versa, we are there. Um, I think too too much in the in today's world, thinking of churches. I've seen too much of the pastors kind of held on a pedestal, and that there again that that's competition in the church. Um, they do have their job, and it is a greater greater job that that has bigger. Um, consequences um, but we need to bless them and realize that these these leaders are there to serve us they they are giving of so much time um, if you knew how much time you know I spent yesterday on this alone you know it's just amazing um, our pastors in the church here they have so much on their plate and and if we recognize that and can see that and and then maybe even help them out. If we see where we can help, you know, we should step up. Um, so laymen. Let's have a couple more people grab some, uh, some references. Romans 6, 16 to 18. I got that. Joseph. Okay, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 2. Got it. And so now talking about laymen. So my definition of a layman is those in the, in the local congregation receiving teaching and admonition from their local pastors. Um, and then we need to uh, go into, well, what does the Bible teach on layman's service in the church? And I think, first of all, we need to, to realize that the word layman, in my mind, don't mean so much as maybe the word servant. Um, and so, in these next couple of verses, I want to look into what, who we are as laymen, who we are as God's servants. Um, and we are all servants. Uh, the Bible <laughs> talks about that a lot in the word here. Um, let's go to Romans 6. Somebody have, uh, Joseph 16 to 18. 
It says, do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that through you were slaves of sin. Uh, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So we were servants of sin. And were, that's past tense. And, and this is, there again, we're speaking on the, the saved of the universal church of God. Um, we were s- slaves to the sin that, that bound us. Uh, Christ died and He, he gave Himself for us. We receive Him. We are no longer slaves of that sin. Um, but we are now slaves. It says uh, now at the end of verse 6 or 18 there, Having been set free from sin, we have now become slaves of righteousness. So slaves of righteousness, the opposite of the slaves of sin. Uh, Good works can be thrown in there. Not that they'll save us. Um, The psalmist David, he called himself the servant of God many times. Um, And then... God also, in, in the Old Testament, He called Abraham, He called Joshua, Isaiah, and He even called His Son that was coming to die for us, His servant. Um, my servant Isaiah, my servant Joshua. Um, we are servants of His. And the connotation servant, we always... <coughs> think of it kind of I, I do myself as I don't want to be a servant of nobody you know <laughs> but uh, I mean who wants to have that title but in Christianity we cannot think that way because we either serve one or the other and in this world you look around us who do who does the world serve it's very easy to see who do we serve is it as easy to see that it should be so James 3 1, no wait. I'm down to 1 Corinthians 4 1 to 2. Who has that one? Rex? So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So, Paul here, he's talking about the apostles, uh, putting himself in with the apostles, and he's saying, first of all, we're God's servants. We're servants of Christ. Secondly, we are stewards of the mysteries of God. Um, so, the steward means one who was, is giving the responsibility and authority to rule over the affairs of a household or to rule over the affairs of the local church. Um, they're called, we're called, we're all called to be stewards of God's Word. Um, and we need to be careful how we're perceived as a steward. Um, we all can maybe think of that, that one or a couple maybe, you know, people who use their stewardship very, very, uh, and painted a very bad picture of what stewardship is in the church. It could have been a leader. A lot of times we hear, especially about the leaders that, that are not stewarding the flock of, of Christ right um, because they are held accountable. Uh, you see them uh, every Sunday morning more. Um, but we are all stewards of the Word. So, what is the layman's responsibility? I have a couple more uh, passages for people to grab. 2 Timothy 2.15 2 
Anybody have that one? All right, Mike. And then 1 John 4, 1. Okay, so first of all, we're servants. Secondly, like I said here, I have five points. Second, in my, my second point is study. Study the Word of God. And the more one studies the Word of God, the better we understand it. You know, and just think of that. Do we believe that? The more one studies His Word, the better we understand it. Um, if we have in our lives... Now, for myself, th- this stuff's on my toes because it's so easy to float through the week without, without opening your Bible and sitting down and, and studying the Word of God. Um, morning devotions. You know, I get up and I hit the road in the dump truck. A lot of times I say, well, I'll listen to a message or, or a Bible reading. Um, and so often you skip over that. It's so easy to just get into your routine and just miss it. So, but we do get better understanding through practice, through studying. 2 Timothy 2.15, you got that? Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. <clears throat> approved. Are we qualified? Acceptable to God? Um, are we living up to His standards? And there again, it's, uh, it's talking about talking about the born-again believer here. Philippians 2.12 2.12. Did I not pass that out? I don't think I did. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So study the Word. Um, so often, we try to leave that up to our, to our pastors to, to lead us and teach us. Um, but I think that's another pit that we as laymen in the church fall into our own snare. Um, I was talking to somebody that's very close to me uh, in my in my family and and he was just saying how well he's not sure you know if he would sit down and really do a deep dive study in this certain topic that we were talking about he's not sure how he would come across or where he would come out on it and and he said he was a little hesitant to even dig in and study it out because of where it might lead him um, up against maybe his co-pastor. And, and that to me is, is that, shouldn't, that shouldn't be us. We, we need to study the Word out. And here um, Paul is saying, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. You know, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It should be with fear. It should be not as, where can I, what can I get away from? Out of this word, what can I, where can I find loopholes to get out of this? No. With fear and trembling, we need to study the Word of God. Um, 1 John 4.1 Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
So hold each other accountable to the truth of God's Word. And I believe um, this needs to happen in, in, among us, among the laymen. Um, and hold our teachers and our pastors accountable also. And so many times I think that's, that it, it scares us. You know, you hear something that, uh, you know, is that, is, that's not really how I've always perceived that verse or, or that section of Scripture. Well, go talk to them. Um, they, they want to, to hear, they need our feedback. The pastors need our feedback. Um, and a lot of times we will learn if you go with the, with the um, attitude of more, you know, maybe there's something that I'm missing here that I need to see straighter, that I need to see better. Um, it's not always, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, that, that attitude shouldn't be there. It should be, we, can, we, we learn from each other. And just because they have the pastor name on their shoulders, there, there's a lot of false teachers out there and a lot of pastors that, that you know, their, their congregation or their laymen, somebody comes to them and says, hey, you know, what's up with this? Um, maybe we need to study this a little further out. We're called to search it out for ourselves. Now, are we doing that in our houses? Are we doing that as laymen? <clears throat> Number three, I have, we're called to good works. And there's a couple more passages. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Somebody get that? <laughs> Ephesians 2. Okay. And also Colossians 1, 9 to 12. Tyler. And then Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. All right. So we are called to good works. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Read that one. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so we are all saved by God's grace through faith. We are saved by the grace of God and then, and then through faith, not uh, unto good works. <clears throat> um, there in 8, it says, it is the gift of God. Colossians 1, 9-12. Also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and please Him in all respects, very fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share the inheritance of the saints in light. So this was Paul to the Colossians. Um, we have been given an inheritance. And uh, uh, put verse uh, 10 up on the screen again. So that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. We do need to please the Lord. We, we, we're servants of Christ. Um, let's please Him and do it with joyfulness. A lot of times you see people that are kind of doing it grudgingly. That grudgingly should not be in our vocabulary when we're talking about servants of, of, of Christ. Bearing fruit in every good work. We need to bear fruit in good works. For what? To increase in the knowledge of God. 
Um, and as we do that, we will increase knowledge. Hebrews 10, 24-25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we see the world getting older and the world getting more sinful, 24 there, he says, stir up one another to love and good works. And I think there's a reason love's put before good works. We need to do it in love. Without stirring, if, if we stir each other up without love to good works, then I think it's very it, it's hard to see um, the good in what, what we're doing for each other. Stirring one another up to good works. Provoking each other to love and good works. So, uh, that, that's just a very good verse there. On encouraging how how can y'all can y'all think of ways that we can do that in in our church today with love stirring up one another like how do we flesh that out when it comes to actually doing it example being an example yeah that's true doing it yourself yeah. And that could be our children and, and definitely examples to, the, to each other. If we expect somebody to do what I'm not willing to do, it's of no use. That's a good one. We have other ways. I think encouraging others in times of great difficulty be able to the word of scripture to encourage them along the way. Lifting them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we all know what great difficulty is. Mm-hmm. Dean just lost a brother. Um, you know, did we lift him up and encourage him? Um, now, this is talking about encouraging him to good works. Um, but he has a lot of responsibility with his, with his family. You know, uh, encouraging them and and bringing the word of God into uh, into play there, encouraging his family. Very good. Just looking at where Paul goes with it, the next verse to not forsake our own something together. I think just recognizing when somebody's not here, just saying, "Hey, man, I realized you weren't there at church last week. Yeah. I haven't seen you in a while." And, and with that, like, we so often, you know, I'm like, you know what, they should be at church. You know, I mean, what the world are they, what they think they're doing, you know? Um, skipping church, you know, five times in a row. What's going on? But I think if we can not do it out of, uh, out of bitter humanistic tendencies that we always tend to rear their head, um, I, it does something for us if we can can go to somebody and say, I, I really did miss you, you know. Is everything okay? Um, and be personal with them um, and lift them up. And, and in that way, it will come back to you. It will come back to you. There, there's a connection that's made. 
Very good. So, be faithful stewards of our personal gifts is number four. First of all, we are servants. Two is study the Word. Three is called to good works. And then four is be faithful stewards of our personal gifts. <coughs> have some uh, passages to give out. 1 Peter 4.10 Got it. And Matthew 25.14-30 I could read that one. Actually, let's have somebody read Matthew 25, 14 to 20. I'm long-winded. I can get that. All right, you can get the whole thing. That'll go good on you. Thank you. And, okay, so 1 Peter 4.10 on our personal gifts. Go ahead and read that. It says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So each one of us have received a special gift. It says employ it in serving one another. So that's what that gift was given us for. It's not for our own not for our own good to 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 come back to us. It's for those around us. That gift that each one of us was given. Um, so it's a gift from the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ in our life. Uh, the MacArthur Bible Commentary um, what I found was very interesting. Um, it says this about the gifts in this passage. Because I, when, re, when I read the, the verse, I would have thought more the gift would have more meant the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, he fleshes that out a little different. It says, uh, a spiritual gift is a graciously given, supernaturally designed ability created to every, no, granted to every believer by which the Holy Spirit ministers to the body of Christ. Not to that specific person, but to the body of Christ. A spiritual gift cannot be earned, pursued, after, or worked up. It is merrily received through the grace of God. Each believer has one specific gift, often a combination of the various categories of gifts blended together uniquely for each Christian. And I think there again, um, cutting in here, we are, each one of us has our own abilities, our own abilities that we're good at. Um, and it's so easy for us to say, you know, what do I have? I don't have nothing. Yeah, you do. If you're born again, you have abilities that uniquely will fill your role in the church. He goes on to say the spiritual gifts were used not for the exaltation of the one with the gift, but in loving concern for the benefit of others in the church. A steward, he says, a steward is responsible for others' resources. A Christian does not own his gift, but in loving concern for the benefit of others in the church. So, there again, it's so easy to, to, to do the whole pity party thing of, I have nothing to bring to my church. Or I have nothing to give back to God. And rightly so, according to what He did, it's, we can't match it up. But that's not what we're trying to do. When you received the Holy Spirit, we, we, you, you have gifts. And it depends how we use them gifts as to... Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the way the world works is the strong and the powerful rule over the weak. Yeah. But what Jesus Christ demonstrated was the strong and the powerful serve the weak. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what Jesus did when he was crucified, the Son of God, without sin, died on the cross to do what? To serve us, Sir. the weak. He took upon himself our sins, gives us his righteousness. And so when we when I think about that, then I think in terms, well, what can I do to serve other people? Yeah. And sometimes it's just being nice to people. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And and being concerned about them. Yeah, yeah. And you know, just like you were concerned about me this morning. And so um, that's where it's really at is is we 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 need to look for ways to serve people. Right. Like Christ served us. Yep, that's right. Kneel down and wash the disciples' feet. You know, he put himself with the lowliest of sinners, although he is sinless, and he died that sinner's death. Um, <clears throat> so, back to the gifts. They're like you were saying. If we don't practice those gifts that were given to us, they can become stagnant. Um, and the more we practice the gifts that are given to us, the, the easier they will be to administer to others, and also they will grow. Um, you start with something small. Like, like you, we like to use the phrase, go big or go home. You know, we can't really use that here. Um, start small. If you try to go too big, and, and do the big things, say, in the church or in your uh, helping people. It, it, it can overload you. It can be a big something that just sets you back on your heels and like, wow, well, I won't try that again. Well, start small. So maybe if you do go too big, you probably will end up going home. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah literally. <laughs> that's it, Joseph. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. So, Matthew 25, 14 to 30. Go ahead and read that for us. Talking about the kingdom of heaven. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to one, and to another one, uh, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went out, dug in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long while, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forth, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed, so I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has more will be given, or to everyone who has more, who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, as I was thinking about this passage of the talents, you know, you think of the two, the two servants that doubled their talents that were given them. Um, and then you think of the third guy uh, in, in the parable here. And... He was given one talent. Now, I'm not sure why 
if he did not appreciate that maybe maybe that's too too little for him too small you know why would i only be given one talent when the others were given five and two talents you know i should have maybe been gotten given 20 talents (laughs) and he whatever his excuse is um and i think in this parable he's more likened unto a to a worldly a worldly man um a sinner but I want to liken him to a to a child of God that although he is born again he is setting back and saying you know um, the Lord is it is allowing all this hurt in the world look around you know what God you say you're so big but all this and this is going on. Um, and so he sits back with condemnation to the Lord, or, or maybe not even with condemnation, but he sits on his talents, on the things that we're given you, and we do nothing. Um, <clears throat> I think we will be held accountable for, for what we do and what we don't do. Um, the the responsibilities that are given us under under God as His servants, as His sons, um, we will be held accountable for for the people that we turn away. You think of the scripture that says, "God, you know, when did we see you see you naked and not clothe you, or hungry and not feed you?" Um, you do it to the least of these, my brothers. You do it unto me. And, and so, what is, what can our excuse be? You know, put your excuses in there. Um, when, when he returns, what would be our excuse for, for not taking what the Lord has given us and doing the little bit that we can, big or small, but doing something with it. You think of the, the one talent. Even if he would have earned back a half talent, 1.5 talents to give back to the master. This was the master's money. Um, but no, he said, he ain't worth nothing. He goes and buries it in the, in the ground. And I don't know if he took off and ran the opposite way. And maybe the master had to run him down. And say, you know, where's my talent? Oh, it's back there in the ground. You know, if it 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 shows you can do the smallest, you can earn back. Yeah. Oh, it shows with what attitude we with what attitude we we give back. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, just thinking about the parable of the sower and soils. Yeah. Thirteen or Mark four there the different soils are differentiated on whether or not they actually bore fruit. So if they didn't bear fruit, I think we're to take those as unbelievers, as evidence of unbelievers. But the good soil, it's actually mentioned as being good soil. That takes, uh, it bears fruit. Bears different degrees of fruit. So some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Uh-huh. So we shouldn't expect the same fruit because we're not given the same. And God has uh, orchestrated different giftings and different events in our lives. But if we are in Christ, we will bear fruit to some degree, as you're saying. Yeah. It's going to vary. Yeah. So you can gauge a person's life by the fruit you see in it. By the fruits that you see coming out. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, for me, personally, it's it's a lot of effort to be nice to people. I have to admit this. Yeah. It's, a lot it's of easier us. to just ignore people. Yeah, yeah. But then when I ignore people, I'm taking the talent and burying it in the ground. Okay. Because God's going to say, what you ignore these people for? Why don't you be nice to them? Yeah, I had that set up for you. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's like I'm the one with the one talent. I could be nice to people, but if I ignore them, I just take the talent, bury it in the ground, and just walk away. When I could have been nice to somebody and, and, and maybe try and help change their life a little bit by just being kind yep. and nice. Yeah, and there again, 
When we, are become, when we are born again, it says we flip from the servants of sin to the servants of God. And so, you know, whereas we used to just ignore everybody and maybe hate everybody, you know, I'd be, I have to be careful because people are in the city, are getting on my nerves, um, put it that way. But I need to be careful, you know, we're, we're called to be opposite of what we were as sinners and love these people. Yeah, very good. So, our spiritual gifts that we have, no matter how small, we are commanded to use. We are responsible to use them not for the sake of gain, not for the sake to gain altitude with God, but doing so out of a humble servant's heart for the blessing of those around you. So, in my own life, that it's looking down over the stewards of my personal gifts. It makes me think, you know, what can I do? What can I do better? Or what can I do to uh, lighten the load of, of those around me? So, number five is love one another. Um, I have some more scriptures to give out. 1 Peter 4, 8. Let me have that. Okay. John 13, 34 and 35. Now that got it. Thank you. And Colossians 3, 12 to 17. You guessed. Which one was it? All right. Thank you, Joseph. Colossians, so you said. Colossians 3, 12, and 17. So, I have a couple pictures that I want to look at. Tyler, go ahead and put the, the church picture up here. So, we're supposed to love one another. Um, you see here that a lot of times, I mean, they're getting pretty physical. The guy on the left there, he's very, he's getting pretty animated. Both of them are. Um, looks like people might even be cheering them on, or maybe they're trying to break them up. I, I don't know. It looks pretty animated. Anyhow, I'm not sure what they heard or, or what happened, but uh, they're in the pews fighting. Now, a lot of times... You know, here we're supposed to love one another, but it's it's too easy to fight among us. And I often have said that <clears throat> I wish some of these fights could just get physical. That way we could get it behind us. Um, <laughs> but when you're fighting within in your mind, you're you're fighting to each other, maybe verbally over could say secondary issues of the Bible um, that that really is not a good taste uh, in our mouths or the people looking on um, now I want to show you another way and flip to the next picture this is geese so I'm sure they have their pecking order also. But so a lot of people look at these geese and they're and they wonder, you know, why the V formation? So scientists have figured out that the V formation, there's a leader at the front of the V. He's breaking breaking the wind. Um, he is he is the leader. He's he's the one that's getting the wind in his face. Now, the, as you go back the V, it gets easier. The, their wings create a lift for the bird behind them. And they studied this out, and if there's a bird that's flying by itself, in this V formation, they can expand their distance up to 71% further than if they would, were trying to do this on their own. Um, 
And, I mean, that, that's amazing. You know, you might think, well, 20% further if they do this. But no. And, and I think this is a good picture of what the church should look like or could look like. <clears throat> and so they say also that, so in the center, it, it, it's easiest because you've got the wind currents from the ones in front of and maybe even behind you helping you on. And so they will actually put the sick geese in the center and then they will back it up, maybe at the tail end, have a good strong goose to help out if that goose breaks out. Um, so it's just a good picture of helping each other. The leader, he will become tired and he breaks away from the front and he takes up a position in the back. And then the next goose will move up and take that lead position. Um, this is what we're called to do in the church is help each other out, pick each other up, help each other, whether it's the leaders, they definitely need our help. Definitely. Um, in fleshing out everyday life, uh, the church, um, lots of stuff. All right. Thank you, Tyler. Um, so anyhow, I, I was thinking of that and it, very, it fit into this lesson on love one another and if we hopefully now if we see geese flying we can look at that and say wow that's beautiful and uh, you know see more what they're doing and how how that's helping each other you know and if we see geese out there flying in a big V formation can we just maybe think of you know am I doing what I'm called to do in my church in my local body am I helping people along am I giving and taking um, let's go to 1st Peter 4 8 go ahead and read that above all keep serving in your love to one another because you are love because love covers a multitude of sins now that that confuses me a little bit because I'm not quite sure Totally what the covers a multitude of sins, what he might be touching on there. But I think at, if we take it at face value, it covers a multitude of sin. If um, loving one another earnestly. So it, it's a, they're trying, they're, they're, they're seeking to love one another. Um, stuff may arise and it will arise in the church that can get between any of us uh, between anything it might refer to uh, the forgiveness of sins covering the multitude of sins uh -huh. there's a proverb that says it's the glory of a man to overlook an offense so if somebody sins against you somebody offends you you have yeah. to love your heart to look and say oh I can, I can forgive that I can, I can take that and love you back yeah yeah the opposite of that is the first picture word not going to yeah. forgive that. We're going to make sure everybody knows about it. Yeah. And force that wedge deeper. Yeah. Very good. So sin covers a multitude of sins. Are we that way with one another? Um, and I've had it in the last, even the last couple of weeks, you know, I'll feel like somebody step on my toes or something. You know, don't let that happen too many times. Um, and also, we need to talk to each other. Maybe when that does happen, and then, then you're like, well, really? That's what you were thinking? Okay, it's totally different than what I was thinking you were thinking. You know, I, I, I shouldn't have taken that personal. Yeah. I think there's a hesitancy on our parts because we're afraid that it's going to get contentious or hard. The thing about it is, is that sitting there and letting something fester in your heart creates bitterness. So it's one of those things where, especially with our elders and deacons and whatnot, if there's something that's a problem, we need to go and talk to them. We need to, even if it becomes contentious. No. Yep. We, we should have no fear of that. We, we all serve the same Christ. The you know, ground is level at the foot of the cross. 
we're all brothers and sisters, and we should love each other, and, you know, extend grace. Maybe you have been hurt, mm-hmm. and maybe it is legitimate. Yeah. But you know what? That's, uh, the consumer mentality of, of America, where you can go and, you know, I don't like this, so I'm going to get this off. Yeah, yeah. I want cheese on my bird, whatever, <laughs> you know? That's that's not the Christian church. Yeah. That's not the way. Yeah. That's yep. not the way God designed His church. Right. We're uh, we're we're to love and support each other and, and give fidelity to each other, faithfulness. And like you said, sooner than later, yeah, because absolutely. for myself and probably a lot of y'all, um, I can you know look over one blow, but then the next Sunday the same thing happens. You know, um, first one's on me. Yeah, and and you keep it keeps building, and then you tend to blow up, and then it's stuff kind of goes south. You okay. know, um, so yeah, sooner than later. John thirteen thirty four and thirty five. A new commandment I give to you: that you love one another, as I have loved you; that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this shall all men know. You know that? <clears throat> and like you said, a new commandment I give you. Give you. Um, and then he says, as I have loved you. And that, that puts the standard pretty high. Um, but yeah, by this shall the people around you know. Um, and, and we all have problems we all have struggles we all have bickering here and there but if you can resolve them issues in love with one another whether it's talking to them right away um, and a lot of times that's half the fight um, by this shall all men know Colossians three twelve and 17 Okay, so it says, put on then as God's chosen one, we're holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If you have a complaint against another, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together. Or which put on love, which allows you to bear with one another, uh, be kind, humility, meekness. It binds everything together in perfect harmony. So, I think I'm going to close with that, with that, that scripture. Um, are we doing that? <coughs> here at this local body. And, and I, I like, I, I feel the love here in the church, and I really appreciate that. Um, sometimes it's given to me, that love is given to me out of, hey, you know, maybe you should realign something in your personal life here or there. Um, it's given to me, you know, for... Here's a here's a uh, 
hundred bucks. Go get you, go, go, go take your family out for supper. You know, love is fleshed out in many different areas. Um, sometimes it doesn't feel very good. Um, but that's what we're called to do here in this church. And as we looked over this, I just hope that you can, each one of us can reevaluate our life on serving in the local body of Christ and, and what are we doing to serve one another. Um, let's just bow our heads and have a prayer. Dear God, I just want to thank you again for this wonderful group of people that we can call our own, our friends. Um, thank you, God, for saving each of us and just help us to put Christian life in perspective, God, and, and think of what you've done for us and, and how much we need to serve and love those around us. Just ask you would give us a good remainder of the service. Uh, pray for the children and their, their Sunday school that they um, can take from that. And for each of us, one, us in here to just think of you through this next week. We love you. Amen.